The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Doomerzan 782, and Jude Hanlon. The GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Speaking of everything sucking, Mike, uh, why are pizza boxes square? I feel like we need to get to the bottom of this. Let's get to the bottom of this. Neil, we are live, though. We oh. are live. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. We're not going to leave this on the table uh, and just and forget about it. No pun intended. Why the heck are pizza boxes square and the pizzas themselves round? And I know that some people are going to say the party pizza's rectangle. That sucks. I don't want any party pizza talk right now. I'm talking about round pizzas. Why can't we get a round pizza box? Oh, there's something about when you have like the middle of the party pizza. Mm. I hate those. Soggy I need the crust. And disgusting. But... <laughs> it's like eating a wet yeah. piece of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you have a cookie, uh, like one of those really greasy cookies, and the outside part's really good because you get a good like uh, surface area uh, ratio of surface area from sure. grease to the the mm-hmm. cookie but the middle is just like pure grease that's just like yeah. the, the party pizza box but i digress <laughs> um yes uh, i always am upset by this this is something that bothers me to no end i of course ordered a pizza the other day brought it home with me noticed that the box was <laughs> you <laughs> finally noticed that huh <laughs> <laughs> after so many years i was like why is this square uh and and yeah i always i i know why i know it's because it's probably much, much easier to stack and distribute and sort and create yep. uh, like square <laughs> pizza boxes. But it always bothers me because there's just such a large portion of it that goes, um, you know, un, uh, unfettered. Mm. The, the, uh, we don't have all this stuff in there. Like there's this uh, uh, big portion in the corners that there's nothing in there. Yeah. And I feel like if you're going to make square pizza boxes but make squ- uh, circular pizzas – you got to give me something else in there. Put put a little bit like cheesy bites or something, you know, in the corners. Yeah, put something in those corners. Fill the space. I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. It's one of those situations where it's like the box is ra- or the box is square, the pizza is round, and the slices are triangles. So you get all the shapes. You're It's a learning experience eating a pizza. My, <laughs> my cousins had a great story. They ordered pizza last week or a couple weeks ago, and the Uber Eats guy, I guess, stored them sideways in his bag <laughs> and delivered them anyway. And they showed me the pictures oh. of it, and the pizzas were messed. Like, it was basically pizza salad. Like, everything was just on one side of the box like the slices were all everywhere it was terrific they got it all for free of course but uh i'm a guy who needs to go and actually get his pizza you know i i I don't love pizza delivered to me i like getting it because i've had many times where they messed up the order Mm. so i gotta i gotta open up the box and make sure that it is prosciutto on there and not broccoli which i have had before how do you screw uh, that just up? Just a random, <laughs> <laughs> complete miss. I don't know how you screw that up, but uh, anyway, it was great to hear from my cousins. Loved that story, and I got to see my whole family last week. Need to give a quick shout out. I now have officially have a brother-in-law. My sister got married a few weeks ago. Now Ooh. that uh, this episode is going live, the wedding was a ton of fun. I got to MC it, Mike, which was really cool. I basically put my podcasting skills to great <laughs> use and basically just told yeah. off-the-cuff jokes and uh, and made sure the evening went along. 
smoothly and on time and everything. So it was a ton of fun to perform in front of a live audience for the first time. Ah, yes. The GameCube was cool in front of a live <laughs> audience. I hope you obviously name dropped up at least six times during the uh, the ceremony. Oh, I wish I did. Uh, that's right. Not not the uh, not, not the speeches, but the ceremony itself. <laughs> just uh, And just a little break before we say I do. We'd like to say this. <laughs> Wedding is sponsored by the GameCube is Cool podcast. Straight up Catholic <laughs> ceremony. Just oh, hold on one second, Father. Hold on one second, please. Get on. Get, get, stand up. Please stand up. Uh, no, but it was a ton of fun. The the venue itself, I showed you pictures, had major Resident Evil 2 vibes. I loved it. It was basically an old police station that had been converted into a venue. Oh. So it was like a reverse Resident Evil situation where it was a, <laughs> an art gallery turned into police station. This was a police station turned into an art gallery, basically. And I sent you some photos, and I think you agree with me. It, it has definitely some Raccoon City RE2 vibes. It was awesome. The lighting especially, I think, is what makes yeah. it. The lighting was very, very RE2 vibes, or just Resident evil in general uh the wood paneling a lot of wood mm-hmm. paneling and wooden things around brick. uh definitely very brick very very 70s-esque as well there and uh, i think what made it for me neil was the staircase to the basement yep. uh that looked like a staircase from hell so <laughs> that, yeah i was like oh yeah this is where this is where i get attacked by mr x yeah the carpeted staircases with the nice <laughs> lights on the side like everything looked nice but i can imagine like after a couple people being brutally killed in these hallways like it would look like re2 <laughs> Break some windows, yeah. give me some demon dogs. Like, uh, I was all for it. They, they didn't notice because they're not gamers, but I was just standing there. Anybody that I knew played games. I'm like, does this place remind you of RE2? And they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, it, it yeah. looked so similar. Yeah, I, stuff. I, uh, I'm really glad your sister got to get married uh, under the eyes of, uh, of RE2, <laughs> under the eyes of Wesker. Of Mr. X, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, a little uh, side tangent here. Nothing to do with weddings at all, although there was... F- but to do with food. It's to do with food. Then there was fruit at this wedding, and you, you happened to stumble across a pretty interesting website this week that we need to talk about on the show. No idea how this mm-hmm. is going to go, but you found a <laughs> fruit tier list, and it was basically a, or a, a list generator, I suppose, and... The way that the list works is that it gives you, I don't know, maybe 30 different types of fruits and you can uh, rank them S, A, B, C, D, and I've never eaten this tiers, which was really cool. It was a really fun exercise for me, especially to see that, you know, how many fruits I've actually never had. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're going to do this over the show. We don't need to list all 30 fruits each, but maybe some of our standout S tiers and then maybe some of our standout ones that you've never had. We'll go through some highlights. We'll, sure. we'll go through some highlights here. Okay. I can I can start start us off, Neil. Please. I'll uh, I'll start us off right at the top, right from the very top Great. here. S tier for me: strawberry, banana, mm-hmm. watermelon, nice. oranges, mm-hmm. mangoes, grapefruits, peaches, not nectarines, but peaches, mm-hmm. and red grapes. And uh, I know that's a lot for S tier. If there was a, I wish there was a double S tier, because <laughs> then I'd may, I'd maybe put uh, like strawberry. Mm-hmm. and uh mango they they'd probably be my my okay. double s's but nice. uh but those uh those eight are some of my favorite fruits and i i was thinking to myself i'm like an s tier for me is something that i could have literally at any moment in yep. the day mm. and that's what those are that's that's a good that's a good ranking i love that i, I made my s tier a little bit more exclusive i wanted to keep it at that's three good. but uh there was a fourth fruit in there so i had to make it four unfortunately but very similar to yours my my s tier is strawberry banana avocado and watermelon. Uh, interesting that a lot of your S tier fruits are also in my uh, A tier uh, fruits, namely the peach, the orange, the red grape. I also have a, mainly all the melons are up there too, like cantaloupe and honeydew. Not quite S tier for me. Watermelon has to take it. I, I only have room for one melon in uh, in my S <laughs> tier, but yeah. Uh, yeah. a lot a lot in that B C D tier there. Uh, mainly the ones in the D tier, the ones that just taste gross on their own, like lemons, limes, blood orange. 
Um, I had grapefruit pretty low. I know you ranked yours very high. I have grapefruit in the D tier because I'm not quite sure what to do with it. And if you eat a grapefruit, like you can't eat anything for about five hours after that because the taste lingers in your mouth. So it got That's down fair. pretty low for me. Grapefruit is definitely, you know what? Now that I think about it, it might be an A tier because yeah. grapefruit is something I love grapefruit. It's one of my favorite things, but it's one hard to eat anything else right after yep. for sure. Two you can't really eat grapefruit every day. Like I, I like to have half an orange every day and then every once in a while I'll, I'll mix it up and have, have a half a grapefruit instead. It's hard to do that for like a week straight because you immediately develop some, some fruit stores in your mouth. Yeah. Just oh. cause it's so acidic. Yeah. Like, like if you, you know, sometimes you can kind of feel one developing, you're like, oh, a fruit store could be coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you eat grapefruits. Oh, well there it's, it's here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get the same thing. Grapefruit, pineapple. That does it for me too. I, I get pineapple, pineapple yeah. a little low, but some of the fruits that I was surprised that I never had, I'm not sure where in the world some of these fruits come from, but I realized I've never eaten a date. Like I've had dates in desserts, but like a date squares oh. are, they're delicious. But I don't know what a date tastes like on its own. That was kind of a... a, a they're okay. Yeah. Um, they're better. It's it's something that I think is better left to being in other things, like pomegranate. That's what mm. I have in my D tier as well. I had yeah. dates. I had pomegranates. I had uh, I had guavas. I had a bunch of guava in, uh, in Cuba. And guavas are good, mm-hmm. but I prefer them in, like, juice. Like, guava juice is actually quite, quite yummy. Yeah, that was my thing here. Who the hell eats cranberries? Yeah, I know. I, like cranberries are good, but like, like I love pure cranberry cranberry juice, and I water it down with either water or ginger ale, and it's delicious. You know, cranberry mm. juice, pure cranberry juice, yeah. makes everything taste better. Yeah, you need um, a lot of sugar to make cranberries taste good. They are not good like alone, but no, that's why the ginger ale works with it. You exactly, know, you got the sugar, you got the a little bit of the, you know. I just oh, yeah. it's like a feels like I'm doing a little shot yeah. of, uh, of cranberry in there, and oh, it makes it taste so good. Cranberry ginger ale is one of the perfect Christmas beverages, and it's coming up. I'm sure it'll be on store shelves very soon. I got to grab a few bottles of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll we be good. we will post our fruit official fruit rankings of the GameCube is cool podcast. This might not be good on Instagram, but perhaps on our Discord. <laughs> You can check that out on Discord. We will post these the day that this episode goes live. Uh, these are some weird opening topics, but Mike, I think that it's time that we move on to a Patreon opening topic. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. If you support us at the $5 level, you get your name read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic for the show, like the shape of pizza or a fruit ranking. Just like Irabel wrote in today, and Mike, Irabel wants to know, you were each put in charge of creating a video game around and starring your co-host. What would that game story be? What kind of game would it be? How would your co-host be featured in the game? Would it be them in real life or a character inspired by them? And how would you make it weird? All right, so basically Mike's Mike's going to make a game around me, and I am going to make a game around Mike. So Mike, I will let you uh, take the first at-bat. Sure. So this was a fun topic. Thank you, Irabelle. Uh, I I thought long and hard about this. I was like, what kind of game can I do for Neil? And I did think about Resident Evil 2 Wedding. Uh, Ooh, hey, that's <laughs> kind of a good idea. Resident Evil Wedding but, planning. Uh, right on. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good, a character inspired by Neil. Uh, mm. But um, uh, I, I went with a different direction. And uh, mine is all about Neil consuming other Neils. Oh, that uh, Kind of like Cubivore. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's kind of in the spirit of a weird game, because I remember asked, how you, would you make it weird? So mm. Cubivore is the weirdest game I can think of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I was like, okay, let's make this kind of like Cubivore. So 
Neil's ultimate goal, the character Neil here, is to become the one true Neil. Ah. And that means facing enemies, the big bosses, like Neil spelt K-N-E-E-L, mm. or Neil spelt N-I-E-L, or yeah. even N-E-A-L Neil. Mm. So uh, there's a lot of these big boss enemies that Neil has to to face eventually and, and defeat them and then consume them. So he actually takes their power hmm. and becomes uh, a, a better and uh, and more powerful Neil. I like that. I like that idea a lot. And am I growing bigger and bigger with each Neil that I consume? I feel like that's got to be part of it. Like I'm a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes, you are growing more powerful. And you're also getting the, the souls of these Neils that oh, you keep good. consuming. Uh, so you uh, And they run around you like Pikmin. Oh. And so you get to have a little bit of the Pikmin uh, kind of style, RTS uh, style in there. So they help you over ledges. It's a platformer game of course uh and so they'll, they'll help you out you know if you if you have to go across hot lava which you do in your daily daily commute to work uh mm. you know you can uh go you can use the souls the little pikmin souls to uh to help you out the niels will uh kind of lie down for you and you can walk over them oh great and then they die they perish in the fires when i walk use them to walk over lava they of course fall because i can't <laughs> yeah, have right. i can't have neil spelled the wrong way around me this is, of course, nope. an inside joke amongst Mike and my friend group. Uh, basically, I hate it whenever somebody spells my name wrong, which is very often. Uh, I get N-I-E-L very often, which is annoying. I get N-E-A-L way less than you'd think. But uh, yeah, no, uh, incorrectly spelling my name, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to consume your soul. Yes, you'll have to consume the soul, and, and that's what happens. And again, you grow more powerful, and there's a lot of different levels. Of course, there's that, that daily commute lava level that you have to go through. There's, of course, a train sim level, nice. because uh, I have to have trains in this game. Good. It just makes every game better. Mm -hmm. And the final boss, now this is a, a, it's, it's a twist ending, hmm. actually. So what happens, the first boss, or the very first thing that Neil does in the game to, to basically prove it's you playing the game is uh, you have to beat just a, a random bot uh, in Nightfire, just a, oh. a friendly game of Nightfire, maybe at Fort Knox or something. Perfect. And uh, after that, the, the the final boss, after you've defeated all the different spellings of Neil's, uh, the final boss, it's a big twist that Neil is actually going to be playing Nightfire against himself. The first time you play Nightfire early in the game, you're going to be playing against that ghost, basically. Oh, wow. Uh yeah, so then it gets a little tricky. You're like, what did I do back then? How good was I? <laughs> and um, and you basically have to, to top your score. So it's uh, that's how you become the one true Neil. You consume yourself. Oh my gosh. I like how you snuck. Like I, li I like the idea of the entire ROM of Nightfire being hidden in this game. So you can just hide <laughs> the game Nightfire. <laughs> I'm going to have to get, uh, I'm gonna get, have to get EA games to approve this, but I'm sure we'll be okay. Oh yeah, they don't care about the rights to Nightfire. <laughs> Surely. That's a great game, Mike. You put a lot of love and Thank effort you. into that plot and all of the different games elements making the game weird i feel like i'm underprepared for uh, for this opening oh. topic now <laughs> thank you so much for that but uh my idea is basically uh, a music hero style game where mike uh mike lane has to start a band and uh mm. he of course has see mike's a huge character creator guy in all of the uh the show games he puts his friends in so obviously all the assets are going to be there to make all the friends of the show that we know that can play music like harrison and marty and victor will be there and dan kerr and all, and all the friends that we know that can jam and play music you'll also have the ability to input all of the instruments that they play and whatnot so basically you can create us in this game and you can tour all across toronto 
that's that's the only place you can go. You can't, you're never gonna get above the Danforth Music Hall. That's the point of the of the whole game. That's like the final level is you finally get to open for Streetlight Manifesto uh, at the Danforth Music Hall. That would be so cool. Oh yeah, I feel like you would like that. I I think that the Guitar Hero games. That's one of the problems is that there was not enough customization of the characters. You could kind of pick the the main guys and then uh, change up the guitars. That was pretty much it. But I want you to be able to make everybody that we we know and love and hang out with and play music with and. Not so much to make it weird, but to make it a little bit more niche. I want this game to have extreme uh, management, like an extreme management sim of being in a band. Like you have to allocate time to practicing and money to touring and equipment. And you make money on the shows that you have to use towards promoting. Uh, You make Instagram posts and you interact with people on Facebook and Twitter and everything. So it's a complete band sim, this one. It's not just playing the music. Uh, And of course, the the set list is only about 10 songs because that's about all we know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's i really really like that i imagine a really cool overworld of a map of toronto but you're just stuck and... in traffic and it takes you three hours to get to a venue two <laughs> two kilometers away yeah I try and fast travel and doesn't actually go anywhere <laughs> but yeah imagine this cool map of like overworld map where you're trying to figure out where to uh like where to go next for the different venues so i imagine like sneaky d's is like your first venue that you get to yep uh, it's just like a really small venue here in Toronto above a restaurant. And then uh, you slowly may have make your way farther and farther. <laughs> yeah, I like that Danforth is the biggest. Yeah. Not like uh, Air Canada Center no. or, or or some of the like, uh, amphitheater area, mm-hmm. but but <laughs> the Danforth, which I, is our favorite venue. So that's, uh, yeah, I would play that game day one. Yeah, I'd be a cool. day one. Not a weird game. I kind of missed, uh, missed the mark on that one. But I really wanted to make a, I really just want a really good band sim game. And on GameCube, it, re- it would be really tough. So I guess... The twist of this, Mike, is that the whole game is played completely on the DK bongos and with the uh, the keyboard, the GameCube keyboard used for Fantasy Star Online. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I like I like that. I, I just imagine it being like, and it comes with a keyboard, and like a kid thinks like, oh wow, like a, like a little mini like piano keyboard. No, 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 no just just a computer, the GameCube. yeah, <laughs> as a as a controller, as a keyboard, and the bongo drums, of course. But Ira Bill, thank you so much for that opening topic. We love coming up with new GameCube game ideas and just video game ideas in general. We are obviously not game developers, thank God for that. We will leave that to the pros. But, Mike, I think that it's time that we move on to the uh, the episode proper. What do you say? Let's do it, Neil. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 119 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 523 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Keneal says hi. Keneal says hi, my arch nemesis. <laughs> Last week, we talked about NASCAR and other hilarious racing games on the GameCube. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about Mary-Kate and Ashley, Bratz, and Hello Kitty games on the GameCube. We remember seeing all of these types of games on shelves or in bargain bins, but we never picked them up because these games were typically marketed as four girls games, as unfair as that may sound. That's basically what they were, so naturally, we pretty much never played them maybe our little sisters did or or friends sisters played them um but this is kind of like the situation where i feel like some people or some guys played these games back in the day but will never admit it kind of like how i watched zoe 101 back in the day but i always said i was watching it with my sister uh just as a little bit of defense there but anyways mike (laughs) i think it's probably pretty obvious to say that i don't have any history with any of these games do you do you remember these games coming out at all back in the day I certainly don't remember these games, but I definitely have a history with just like the knowledge of these franchises existing because sure. they're all huge. 
um, which is kind of crazy to think of. But yeah, it's uh, welcome to two grown men talking about games marketed <laughs> towards preteen girls. <laughs> Here we go. But uh, like, yeah, uh, Mary Kay and Ashley, especially, I don't think people, if you weren't around in the early 2000s, you definitely do not understand how massive Mary Kay and Ashley were. They were mm-hmm. everywhere, like literally anything that they could put their name on they were on it uh they had they must have had every product under the sun for girls they had a tons of uh video games and they were really omnipresent for like five years mm-hmm. and then they kind of went away and now we're left with elizabeth olsen uh their younger sister who's scarlet witch of course uh in uh the marvel cinematic universe and she seems to be very well adjusted and totally normal which is good for her because that must have been really hard having uh your two older sisters are literally the two most like famous people on the planet for five years um and whose face was everywhere so uh yeah it's just it's it's a really like place in time they also had tons of movies i remember uh i remember watching um, i think the family channel like the disney channel here in Canada, they had uh, there was yeah, Gone, Gone in a New York Minute, which I, yeah, I like. That's I like was. that movie because the end features a live performance from from the hit Canadian pop punk band Simple Plan. So, that's right. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> great scene, great scene. That's why I remember that movie. I think Eugene Levy's in that movie too. I could see that he's in a lot of those <laughs> early two thousands random movies yeah. of the time, and yeah, like 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 that was the thing. Like the, everything they did, whether it was video games, whether it was movies, it was all bankrolled. Like all, like it was high highly produced. Yeah. It wasn't like they were just throwing these things out. Like there was a lot of time and effort put into these. Um, and I can't imagine like what that did to the girls, uh, like their mental state. Mm. My God, they were probably working constantly. I know they had their like all their perfume brands and stuff too. They were really big for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, pretty crazy that lawsuits too. I know like they had some trouble with their parents as well as you do when you are rich child actors and your parents want all the money. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's their their story is pretty crazy and yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of games as well. There are a lot of games, a lot of toys. I specifically remember you you are right from about two thousand one to. 2005 i feel like was their their peak and yeah yeah, you said it best like it was between them and like barbie basically it was on everything maybe hello kitty but you said it like you know video games and movies but there were toys and and yeah makeup and like even like back to school supplies like pencils yeah yeah anything literally anything you could think of everything that a preteen girl might be handling mary kane nashley had their brand on yeah and i think they might have had a small music career at one point i could be complete they did yeah they had i remember them having like one music video on the like you said the family channel (laughs) they were pretty big there but yeah they were born in 86 so they're about what seven years older than us and by the age of six they were basically the biggest childhood you know child stars of all time uh, on a bunch of shows, you know, Full House and and then all those movies yep. that they had. And uh, their net worth became about half a billion dollars by the time they were in their teen years. So uh, they rose to stardom incredibly fast. I didn't know how short they were. They're 5'1", which is awesome. Huh. Like, I, I, there's, there's nothing like to scale to know like how big they are because in, no. <laughs> in every show they're always just standing right next to each other. So it's hard to tell <laughs> how tall they actually are. But yeah, they are they are incredibly short. Um, there's just a side fact there. Um, but but yeah, uh, I... But yeah, it's a uh, it's very it's very sad like their trajectory in life how they completely just disappeared probably for mental health reasons in all honesty. But it's cool to see Elizabeth Olsen in the uh, in the Marvel universe and she she appeared in the Godzilla film back in 2014 or something. But the Olsen twins have another sibling too. I think they have a half brother. So it's got to be really tough to to be in that family. But hopefully he's doing okay too. But the other franchises there, Bratz and Hello Kitty, 
equally as popular back in the day. Like Bratz TV commercials were on constantly on YTV here in Canada. In the uh, when we would watch SpongeBob and Yu-Gi-Oh and Dragon Ball Z, the commercials between those shows would all be you know for Hot Wheels or Lego and then Bratz dolls. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't turn on those channels without seeing an ad for a new toy line that was coming out or a movie based on that toy line or a video game perhaps based on that movie based on that toy line. They were really <laughs> trying to just hammer away at the Barbie market. They ultimately failed, but they, they were a really good competitor to Barbie for a little while. I don't know how popular they are anymore. They they sort of sunk away in the late 2000s uh, until early 2010. They tried to bring it back, but I'm not sure how how successful that was. Again, like you said, though, lots of controversies, lots of legal uh, legal disputes with them and uh, labor workers and everything. But that's natural in the in the toy industry. Do you remember much about Bratz, Mike? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Bratz, like you, you said, it was everywhere. Uh, you, you constantly saw ads for Bratz. It was very popular back in the day for for kids. At one point, it was actually making more than Barbie, mm. if you can believe it. In uh, two thousand five, uh, franchise was grossing two billion dollars a year. Two billion. Yeah. Uh, just insane. And it had about 40% of the fashion doll market. So 40% market share for a brand that came out just four years before is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's really interesting. I didn't really know a lot about Bratz, like how it became. I know of them, of course, but I, I did some research this week. Really interesting. So it was created by Carter Bryant. It's a former Mattel employee. Hmm. So Barbie, right. of course, is Mattel. And... Um, because of that, there's a ton of lawsuits. And, like, I mean a ton. They basically were suing each other for the last 20 years. Uh, they um, uh, And it kept going back and forth. So MGA Entertainment was actually the, the owner of Bratz and the Bratz franchises. And uh, they, basically, they were sued by Mattel, who claimed that uh, Carter Bryant had been, you know, working on Bratz dolls while he was still an employee at Mattel. And, uh, and uh and MJ was like, no, no, he did this before. It was all kosher. Uh, and at one point, one of the judges basically awarded MGA to Mattel hmm. and was like, oh, yeah, Mattel can just take it over. And then another judge was like, no, that's messed up. You can't do that. <laughs> uh, MGA gets like a billion dollars in damages because of this. And so wow. they kept going back and forth. They still are in some lawsuits, but it's basically been settled. MGA did win in the end. So hmm. Bratz and, uh, and their other toys got to ex- keep existing. Hmm which was nice because, you know, we don't like full monopolies right. here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Just uh, look up if you're ever interested, just MGA Entertainment and all their lawsuits on Wikipedia. There's there's tons of information about it. And the company itself has done very well, even though Bratz isn't as big as it used to be. It, uh, it definitely still does very well because they have a lot of other toys like lol surprise dolls yeah my my cousin's daughter was really into that back in uh like 2019 when i finally met them for the first time i was like asking like so so what kind of toys are you into and and they said lol dolls and i was like i don't even know what that is (laughs) five billion in revenue in 2019 neil five billion uh just for reference hasbro's total revenue was 4.7 billion that year and and mattel's was 4.5 billion that year so uh yeah and uh uh, mga absolutely kills it even though brats doesn't kill anymore they they still got surprises lol surprises up their (laughs) sleeves so really really interesting just something that i feel like goes completely under the radar for people like us who 
don't have kids uh, that age right. who are have have LOL surprise dolls. And uh, and for us, you know, just growing up with Barbie and, and brats all around us, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely haven't seen something like this. So um, very interesting to see where they go. But uh, Bratz uh, still makes games. A new game literally just came out, Neil. Flaunt your fashion in 2022 for the Switch. Yeah, yeah, they have uh, quite a few games. There's 17 Bratz games in total. Um, I'm assuming that they're mostly just touch-based games, like uh, touchscreen games, like phone games, iPad games. Like, I can't imagine. No. Really? No, Neil. Is it like a, is it like a storied RPG? What's going on over there? Yeah, there's some RPG style ones. There's huh. movie tie-ins. I'll I'll talk talk to you about them right now. Great. We got the first Bratz game came out 20 years ago, almost exactly 20 years ago, mm-hmm. on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, Rock Angels, which is what we're going to be talking about today, and Forever Diamonds, of course, on GameCube. Mm-hmm. Bratz Babies mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in 2006 for Game Boy Advance. Bratz the movie. Yes, there was a live action Bratz movie in 2007 <sighs> that came out in uh, in in 2007 for the Wii. Bratz for real for the DS, Bratz kids. Uh, of course, there's Zeds after yeah, all these things. Sure. <laughs> uh, for the DS and OA, Super Babies in 2008 for the DS as well. Bratz Girls Rock, which is like a Guitar Hero kind of spinoff uh, in 2008 for the Wii. Hmm. Uh, fashion Boutique in 2012 for the 3DS. And then, yeah, Flaunt Your Fashion 2022 for the Switch. Cool. Basically, they're like the Lego games. They just keep coming out quietly, and uh, some people are buying them. I guess Bratz still have a little bit of a hold on the the toy market, which is interesting. Um, Some of the, I guess, the controversies that I found around Bratz dolls over the years are mostly uh, due to uh, targeted towards the the sexualization of little girls, which is just always going to be a problem with with dolls. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, Barbie comes. Barbie faces the same type of thing. Uh, one of my favorite ones was uh, in I think this was early on in the toy line, but there was like a blind date kind of line of dolls where you didn't know what uh, what boy brat doll you were going to get. I think basically was the idea oh, it was yeah. like you get a two pack and you don't know what the other one is because the brat is going on a blind date. So you never know uh, who you're going to meet kind of thing. And, uh, the, the, you know, activist group kind of were uh, complaining that the marketing towards the about this toy was um encouraging girls to go on blind dates with strangers which is not good little did they know in about 10 years uh, dating apps such as tinder would uh completely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> blow that out of the water um it's so which funny. Is really funny but another big one of course which is common with toys is just underpaid factory workers which is crazy uh yeah i mean that continues to this day but the average factory worker working in a brat's factory would make uh, about 50 cents an hour working 94 hours a week uh, the average price of the Jeez. doll back then was 17 cents a doll, and they retailed between $10 and $23. So that was a huge issue, obviously, and I'm sure it still is to this day. But um, that's just the nature of the beast with toy production and fashion, unfortunately. I'm sure that they've corrected slightly since then, but hopefully, um, hopefully <laughs> it's much better. Um, that kind of brings us into the other franchise that we need to talk about, which is Hello Kitty. And Hello Kitty is the second highest grossing media franchise of all time. I'm sorry, Neil. Yeah. What? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> just behind Pokemon, Hello Kitty is just all-time <laughs> revenue of $88.5 billion created in 1974. Wow. Like I said, just behind Pokemon, right ahead of Mickey Mouse and Friends, uh, which is fun. I I know nothing about Hello Kitty <laughs> other than it's a cat and it's on T-shirts. No, I think I, – wasn't there like a thing where uh, they they said that it was a girl? 
and like she is a cat or something. I remember there was a big controversy about, about that a, a while ago. Yeah. Um, hold on. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you go. You go find that. But well, while I talk a little bit more about Hello Kitty and basically, if you were a kid in the eighties and nineties, Hello Kitty was kind of the toy at McDonald's that you got if you didn't want a Hot Wheels. That was sort of how I knew about it. I always thought <laughs> yeah. I really thought it was just a McDonald's marketing gimmick for, as a toy option for people that didn't mainly girls or boys that didn't want the Hot Wheels toy. They got the Hello Kitty figurine or whatever. Uh, I don't remember any cartoons, movies, plays like nothing based on Hello Kitty other than the the media, the toys, uh, the the T-shirts, the back to school items had Hello Kitty logos on them and everything, but. Since 1974, we've had 20 Hello Kitty video games. They still do come out, and this uh, this icon, this Japanese figure, continues to pump out money every year. But Mike, what facts on Hello Kitty have you found for us? Uh, I di- I didn't find enough to oh, uh, to validate my claims because <laughs> this is just something I remembered. But yeah, uh, H- Hello Kitty just everywhere, especially in Japan, of course. Yeah. You know, Hello Kitty became a huge cultural icon for them. It's just a great design, too. You know, credit to uh, Yuko Shimizu, which I'm probably butchering that name, but uh, she made amazing, amazing design for this character that's just so iconic, so easy to to replicate. And I always say the best designs are something that a kid can easily draw. Mm -hmm. Hello Kitty is one you can easily draw. Uh, And it just became such an easy... um, an easy way to promote uh, her as well. And, like, yeah, the, the fact that Hello Kitty basically is on every single piece of merchandise ever, and is also like still quite popular and and yep. uh, s- s- like sound like I'm dating and very hip still. You know, like, like she <laughs> with the she six is, year olds. is yeah, uh, and but even with like yeah with the six year olds with the forty year olds like she's still yeah. very much like in culture. Everyone knows what Hello Kitty is. Everyone, literally everyone, mm-hmm. uh, knows what Hello Kitty is. I can I I would be hard pressed to find someone who had never heard of Hello Kitty before. Uh, that that kind of kawaii, the cute culture that mm-hmm. really emerged in Japan in the '90s and really has continued to grow ever since. And it just it's such a uh, wholesome, easy thing to love. And yeah, so you know, Hello Kitty's pretty cool. That I have a I have a San Francisco Giants giveaway shirt with Hello Kitty on there it. That go. was an extra extra large nice. though, Neil. That was a <laughs> that was an interesting move. Uh, nice. Not sure why they did that, no. but uh, but yeah, like every arcade that you go to has like a claw machine or the prize table has a yep. Hello Kitty plushie or something. Like every if you go to any school in in North America or Japan, you'll see a kid with a Hello Kitty uh, keychain or a straight up backpack. Like it's 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 more popular obviously than mickey mouse and like i don't know what i never will understand what the attachment is other than just it's this colorful cute cat that's easy to draw super recognizable but like there's no there's no like hello kitty movie that everyone loves or tv show that everyone loves there's nothing it's just this face like it's really weird i think it really for a lot i think for western audiences because we really don't have the same kind of uh, affiliation with Hello Kitty as Japanese audiences do, of course. I, I think for us, it really just symbolizes Japan and that kawaii culture mm. that that I was like saying earlier that comes from from Japan and and that in general. So I think for us looking into Hello Kitty, it's like, oh wow, like you know, this is something that is recognizable. Of course, I know it, but I don't have any affinity to it. Where a kid our age growing up in Japan, even if it like a, a guy or girl, I think would have a massive affinity. To Hello Kitty, just because True. it's it's almost like a symbol of your culture and your your country. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that Canada has in terms of a, a character, but it's nothing. <laughs> we suck. Yeah, we do. We have Tim Hortons <laughs> and Kraft Dinner. That's basically yeah. it in my mind. But Mike, I think that it's about time that we uh, start talking about some GameCube games. Why don't we jump into the first game of the day? Yeah, let's talk about some Mary-Kate and Ashley games. or one Mary-Kate and Ashley game on the GameCube. All right, sounds good. Mary-Kate and Ashley Sweet 16 Licensed to Drive was released on February 14th, 2003. Developed by N-Space. These are the Geist developers. Published by Acclaim. Oh. I know. It's also on Game Boy <laughs> Advance and PS2. Rates a 5 out of 10. Priced today at around $10. It's a party action adventure game. And this is the last Mary-Kate and Ashley <sighs> game. Well, now that you say it's the last game, Neil, I'd like to to remind uh, listeners of the games that came before it mm. that made it possible. There were a lot. Uh, <laughs> my personal favorite being the New Adventures of Mary Kay and Ash- Ashley that came out in '99 for the Game Boy Color, which was a reskinned version of Maya the Bee, which itself was a reskinned version of an unreleased South Park game oh. for the Game Boy Color. Oh my god! So yeah, that was uh, uh, Mary Kay and Ashley is technically a South Park game, Neil. So there you go. Terrific. <laughs> I really hope South Park at one point made reference to that in one of their shows. I don't know if they, I hope they I'm did. trying to remember if they ever made fun of that. I think they did make fun of them, but it was in like the mid 2010s era of Mary Kay and Ashley when they were struggling with all the uh, all the problems at once. But uh, <laughs> yeah, bad time for them. There's also Dance Party of the Century uh, on in '99. Get a Clue in 2000. I remember that one. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah, that one I I remember too, and I also remember this one, Magical Mystery Mall. Uh, that came out in 2000 for the PlayStation. Sold 300,000 copies, Neil. So that's wow. like pretty impressive. Uh, pocket it's planner more for than the Batman Game Boy Color. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my God. Actually, though, yeah. <laughs> by, a, by a big margin. Uh, Winner's Circle in 2001 for the Game Boy Color. Crash Course in 2001 as well for the Game Boy Color. Girls Night Out for the Game Boy Advance. And our only uh, Nintendo console game, Sweet 16, licensed to drive. Crash Course sounds like it could be a game about drinking and driving, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what License to Drive is. I was going to say, this game is obsessed with being a car game for some reason. I don't know what the vibe of this game is supposed to be. When you first start up the game, the menu sounds are all just... It's supposed to sound like you're in some kind of a chop shop. Like, it's all... (laughs) socket wrenches and drills and power it's really weird it's like they're not building their cars they're buying them and learning how to drive them it's a really weird vibe that the game starts with but nevertheless um the game uh starts off uh with an interesting cutscene. the characters are all somewhat creepy but i'll get past that for the you know it's a basic i was gonna say movie tie-in game but it's a tv show (laughs) tie-in game yeah and they say the name of the game three times in the opening cutscene, which was awesome <laughs> all at the same time yelling it together uh the ga- sweet 16 sweet 16 license to drive, license to drive. <laughs> and the game lets you play as mary kate and ashley which is great and then you can also play as tiffany or claire who the hell are those players yeah, listen, uh, it sucks for the third person mm. coming in playing this game because, <laughs> oh man, Mary, uh, Mary Kate and Ashley are both taken. Yeah. Not, we can't even play as Elizabeth. I know. That would have been awesome if you could play <laughs> as the siblings or some characters from uh, from uh, Full House or something like that. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's basically a mini game, party game. I don't really know how to describe it. Yeah. It's very bright and colorful, though. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, but It actually looks good yeah. for the most part. Like, the, the graphics look good. They're... Uh, their character models were better than I thought they'd be. They were pretty solid. And there are a lot of different games that you can play. Obviously, it is very much a racing and kind of driving sim in a lot of aspects. There's a bunch of driving uh, mini games. Like there's like a Frogger driving style game mm-hmm. where you're trying to get over to the other side by 
trying to go through different cars and finding the best way to go through it. Uh, there is just a, a straight up racing portion. You drive your car around the overworld to go to each little tile. Uh, uh, kind of looks like Mario Party style, uh, I guess, course. Uh, there's also the actual uh, driving school part of it. There's uh, parts where you get out of the car and you get to run around mm -hmm. and collect items in uh in flash and fl fashion fly away uh which is literally a f uh, items of clothing flying away as to collect them <laughs> uh there's a uh, an area where you get to go in rapids too that's cool that's a cool one cool. the kayaking one kayaking yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah. Yeah, uh, not a lot of kayaking games out there, so that was actually pretty neat True. to play. The problem is these, these games do not control well, and as you can probably guess, it is very difficult. The controls are stiff. They're uh, really weird to actually move your players around uh, properly. It feels like all the players got a a little diagonal box almost that they can only go straight, kind of straight left, left, mm. you know, you know what I mean? So it doesn't feel like I have a just complete control over my characters. Felt a little bit like Charlie's Angels in that, in that part. Mm. Not as bad as Charlie's Angels. I, I must, I must say that because that game is unplayable. This is not an unplayable game, mm -hmm. just not that fun to play. Right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it gets old quite fast because there are just a lot of, the same kind of things that you're doing over and over again. Yeah. There's a sail, not sailing, but like, um, it's a, it's a parasurfing kind of game Paris, where yeah, yeah, you're yeah. racing from one part of the beach to another, uh, which is kind of cool. It's got like a bit of a vacation sim almost to it where yeah. there's a lot of water sports. Woohoo Island. Game. Yeah. Like a woohoo Island kind of thing. There's even a jet ski race, which, you know, if you yeah. want something, if you're tired of wave race, um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it's a very short, like basically tiny loop that you uh, you race around, which is kind of weird. I wish it was a bit more fleshed out because, yeah, the, the parasurfing level is pretty long, actually. And, you know, you, you, you rack up a lot of points. And then at the end of the race, you see who you, you have to finish first, second or third or fourth. But then you also get you get points based on the, the, the keys that you collect. And there's a lot of key collecting in this game. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, if they understand how driving works. You only need one, <laughs> and and it's funny the, the keys that you collect are not car keys. I don't know no, if you they're not. This, Neil. <laughs> they're, like, they're just like old door keys. Janitor keys. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's like, come on, like how could they not have just made like a, a a cool like you know just a remote start car key or something at the time or I don't know it's something that looked, resembles some kind of car key rather than an old janitor key. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but like the, Neil, of course yeah. there is. Uh, uh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, uh, Neil, of course there is, because it's a 2002 game, there's ATV racing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Would not be complete without ATV racing. Um, I got to find, I haven't, sorry, I actually haven't seen this. Uh, Would not be complete without ATV racing. Not a great competitor of the ATV cross. What's that game? <laughs> ATV cross, uh, the ATV racing series that we've talked about before. Power, uh, the, 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 well, there's the ATV like motocross, like, yeah. uh, super, I, I don't know. Someone else is going to, there's the four by four ATV four by four, which is a series that we've also talked about. That's the one. But four by four. Thank you. I, I hate in this, uh, ATV cause all it is is just, you're literally just going in an oval, like just lap over and over again. Same as the uh, jet um, ski basically. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, you can't, and I and the other in Jet Ski too. You can't hit anyone. You just go through them, hmm. and that like, like that sucks. And I feel you know, and this is going to be a theme. Get ready. This is going to be a theme throughout the episode. This is, I think, an example of game developer developers or even game producers being like, well, we can't have girls being violent towards each other. True. So let's just have them when they hit each other, they just go through the other player instead. 
and that was very much like a thing in the early 2000s when these games were heavily marketed towards girls of like oh well girls girls don't actually do this but look they can be cool by riding an atv and just going doing the same lap over and over again instead of doing an actual course yeah i think that's just it's a kids game in general too like it is an e-rated game it's they can't make anything too violent um they can't simulate let me let me let me uh let me screw over the patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) i need to bash the patriarchy a little bit on this very true very good yeah i mean like when you think about it though there were some kids games even back in the day when like you could bash against each other and fight against each other like the spongebob games that we've talked about pretty sure those those might be e10 come to think of it but no they're either yeah yeah i don't know but yeah it's it's got a nice assortment of vehicles it's not just driving yeah. games like this could straight up just be a learn to drive sim which would have been freaking hilarious if it was just them <laughs> learning yeah. how to drive through the city streets to, to pass their g2 that would have been absolutely awesome oh there is like a g1 portion uh g1 <laughs> in canada is basically the like uh the, the learner's permit so you have to do your written test and they do it like a who wants to be a millionaire style <laughs> 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 and uh so there's there's just some funny uh questions here there's like if you hear a strange sound coming from your car you should a turn up the radio <laughs> uh b ignore it x because like you know it's on the gamecube uh lock up the brakes uh or why find a service station uh i said turn up the radio and that was somehow not the right answer uh, don't like that so you never got past level one in this game <laughs> no clearly i just got i just never got my full mm. my full license unfortunately really sad you cannot join mary kate ashley and their friends tina and tiffany or whoever i do want to talk about that really quick uh, moving on to the mm-hmm. back of the case i suppose but we got to talk about the, the front case box art this is terrible <laughs> what I got, yeah, I, got lot, all... I got a lot to say here i don't know like they basically put pieces of cars at the top like a random odometer basically is at the top there and it says mary kate and ashley sweet 16 license to drive that's fine we've got a poorly photoshopped cutout of pictures of them from a tween <laughs> magazine of some kind it says real yeah. games for real girls which is great <laughs> oh, and my final point or question what the hell was club acclaim Oh, God. I don't know. It looks like it's written like club, like a kid's club, like in red, yellow, blue, green letters. Club Acclaim. Was this like a kid's game series that they were trying to get off the ground at some point? Yeah, like an EA big, uh, but, yeah, but, but the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that's that's interesting. because and, and it's interesting that I didn't mention this when you were reading out the stats that Acclaim mm-hmm. uh, made this obviously even more interesting that Endspace yeah. made a Geist with Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, uh, made this game, but uh, yeah, Acclaim, who is obviously a uh, a developer who's known for making a lot of extreme sports games back in the day, a lot of crazy racing games, definitely a lot of teen games for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of E-rated games um, in general, but they did make most of the American National games. They also made the Magical Mystery Mall uh, for PlayStation as well. So they were uh, the, the kind of the major, I guess, backer for uh, the production of these games but yeah this this box art it's funny because most of the time when i when we review box art i say oh i wish they just went with like a still from the movie or a still from the cartoon instead of making this weird cg yeah. thing on the cover uh i disagree this time i want to actually see the cg mary Kay and ashley here mm. because it would at least tell me that it's a game instead of a movie or a something. magazine yeah it does look <laughs> yeah. like a magazine i don't really know what I don't know what this it's is. It's so bad. Yeah, I guess... It's terrible. I guess that they are just trying to market to, to, to girls or little kids who are reading these magazines. And it does have that teen bop uh, 
I'm blanking on all the other ones. Uh, all of those magazines. 17. There you go. Or 13. Did it be 13? What the hell? Were they? I don't know. <laughs> I read Owl. But the, I mean, the, the, yeah, me too. The, the, fact that, the fact that there's not even a car yeah. on the, the front or anything resembling a, a vehicle. It's got a wheel, Mike. It's got a wheel. <laughs> it's got a wheel. Like the fact that there's not even like a car on the front despite it being a car and vehicle focused game. A picture of the two of them in a car would have been fine. Yeah, the, that would have been cool. There's lots of like the New York uh, Minute one uh, that they're in a car for that. Yeah. I think at some point. Um, yeah, it was uh, an interesting move for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So a little, little, little sad to see that cover not living up to my expectations. Not sure what the expectations were, but it didn't live up to that. The game itself, not the worst thing ever. Honestly, that did exceed my ex- expectations just a little bit. But, uh, Neil, why don't you read the back of the case? I'm very curious what they have to say on the back. Okay, let's hit this back of the case here. Mary Kate... Oh, wait. All right, let's hit the back of the case. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet 16 jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Get ready for the sweetest birthday bash ever. Mary-Kate and Ashley are licensed to drive and ready to hit the road. Hop in and drive into excitement with over 30 party-style minigames. Miles of fun lie ahead of you. I'm Canadian. I don't know what a mile is. That's, that's pretty much that's it. it eh? That's it, I mean, yeah, That's uh, there's a few other little, you know, tags there under each of the pictures. But yeah, it's a, it's a good-looking game. Like, graphically, it's okay. I think that they, if they have... Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I know. For 2002? Make it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> give me a review it's 20 years well, it's 20 well, years let's go 20 year anniversary what would be awesome though is if like they do like a 20 anniversary of all of these teen shows from back in the day like bring back like all the like iCarly Drake and Josh Hillary Duff like all those guys from back in the 2000s and like make a a party bash game that would sell oh my God. that would sell like gangbusters Mike my absolute favorite part about the case though Neil mm-hmm. uh is actually the bat on the back the little AOL <laughs> Sticker yes. uh, that says MaryKateAndAshley.com and then uh, has the AOL logo and AOL saying, uh, please use uh, this keyword. Uh, yeah, use this and uh, go on responsibly. Ask your parents before going online. Mm. <laughs> I do every time I go online in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, they, they, they still they still tell me don't, to not go on the internet. Did anybody which is, uh, really ask their kids or ask their parents to, to go online? Well, I mean, I most of the time when we were kids, we had to ask our parents to go online because, because we physically, were, yeah, we physically didn't yeah. know how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> one, we physically didn't know how to do it. <laughs> Two, someone else was most likely already also using the internet. Yeah, at that time, that's of true. course, only one person could use it. That's that's a that's a an interesting thing, <laughs> an interesting time gap. A dangerous place on those internets. But Mike, I think that it's time that we transition now into the uh, the next franchise of the day, which is Hello Kitty. Sounds good, Neil. All right. Hello Kitty Roller Coaster Rescue was released on August 16th, 2005, developed by XPEC Entertainment. That's a Taiwan developer. They also worked on Final Fantasy 15, published by Namco. It's technically only for GameCube. It has the uh, the exclusively on GameCube mm-hmm. ribbon on there. But there was it was also released on PS2, Xbox, Windows, and the PAL regions, as well as PS2 in Japan. So a very scattered release for Hello Kitty. Rates a 6 out of 10. Priced today at around $50. And this is an action-adventure game. Now, Mike, this is probably one of two roller uh, roller skating games on the GameCube. 
That's true in terms of just a main uh, the main story being uh, through rollerblading uh, inline or aggressive inline is the other mm-hmm. one that uh, that comes to mind when it comes to rollerblading and the the next two games we'll be talking about also involve rollerblading so I don't know what it was about rollerblading especially for these kind of games geared towards girls I don't know it, it, clearly rollerblading was was in again in the early 2000s but to be fair rollerblading is pretty cool so. It is. I think that they tried to make it a thing, like yeah. amongst all all genders. Like I, I specifically remember us playing or roller skating mainly for road hockey yeah. to practice playing hockey. That's what I remember. I specifically remember the first time I went on roller skates and tried to stop the same way you do on ice skates, and that is not how you stop on rollerblades. <laughs> I I ate it on that road. That's for, that's for sure. I didn't know. Like I didn't know any better. So that that's how you learn. But yep, uh, yep. yeah, it's a aggressive inline and Hello Kitty are the two primary <laughs> roller skating games on on GameCube. And this game kicks off right away with a pretty good opening cutscene. I'm not going to lie. The production value is yeah. here yeah. for Hello Kitty. And I'm still not really sure what the heck is going on, but there seems to be some kind of an alien invasion going on in the Hello Kitty land. Looks a bit like Candyland. Um, the aliens kind of look like pieces from an, a 90s board game, like Trouble or something. Uh, and that pretty much sets up the entire game. You're Hello Kitty and uh, that's the name of the character. You are Hello Kitty and you're going around knocking out bad guys, collecting coins, and trying to save the world in an adventure that takes no more than three hours to complete. <laughs> Perfect. My kind of game. Easy. <laughs> on rollerblades. All, all while being on rollerblades. Exactly. It's, uh, uh, it, yeah, it, like you said, it looks really good. Very sharp visuals. The production value is definitely there. There was some money put into actually making this game look good, especially for the cutscenes. And even just in the gameplay. The gameplay looks solid. The uh, colors are crisp, very bright, very vibrant. All the uh, mm. all the different stages and levels and settings are are really nicely done. I think like it's a good environment and good atmosphere playing the game. Uh, funny enough, so I, I looked into this game and there wasn't you know too much stuff going on in terms of people talking about it. But the one thing that people talk about still is the Hello Kitty Crystal Xbox. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Neil. Oh, it was no. released with the game. Uh, in uh, Singapore, actually, to commemorate the release of the game on the Xbox, the special edition console. It's translucent with a pink and orange Hello Kitty uh, picture uh, kind of that covers the case, that covers the X, uh, which mm. is really cool. And only 550 units were sold or were, were put out. So it was a limited run. And the price was only $99, which wow. is insane. I don't know why it was so cheap. Maybe in Singapore that just how expensive xboxes are but uh and if you purchase certain selected uh samsung lcd tvs during this promotion you also get a matching crystal controller for the xbox uh with uh the hello kitty mission or uh, with the hello kitty roller rescue so uh yeah it's uh the crystal controller also pretty cool you have to be really into hello kitty to yeah on all that that's that that's like a very select group of people but i think it was also to uh celebrate the it was basically the 30th anniversary yes. of hello kitty too, uh 1974 to 2005 yep. so a big push there i suppose i don't remember any hype for hello kitty in 2015 but <laughs> who knows we're only three years away from the uh the 50th anniversary so uh we'll have to we'll have to wait and see but you're right the game itself is very colorful it's 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 a nice game to play it almost reminds me of something like a spyro game yeah uh it's got that type of vibe to it everything is bouncing and moving and bright like even the quote-unquote dark levels are still somewhat colorful yeah the game never dips into being creepy or difficult at all there's really just light platforming elements the combat is very simplistic it's pretty much the same spin attack over and over and over again again one thing for me that got super annoying though is uh every time you collect a coin it's the same ding sound yeah and it's yes. 
it is bloody irritating <laughs> to listen to that over and over and over again. The The rest of the soundtrack is fine. Like, the music is very serviceable. Mm-hmm. The, the sound of you crashing into things is just like any other platformer. But I, I, in a collect-a-thon, when you collect currency, it really has to be subtle and uninteresting because otherwise it's going to get irritating yeah because you're collecting so many of them the whole idea is it's a -a collect-a-thon you're trying to collect all of them so right yeah it gets very irritating after a while the thing that really stands out in this game because it is a relatively mediocre game it's still fun but what really makes it interesting and worth playing i think Uh, is the boss fights the boss fights are really cool they're way better than i thought they'd be and they're they're a lot less less cutesy than i imagined as well like there's one boss that is a literal tank alien who is constantly (laughs) firing grenades at you from a tank and you have to throw the grenades back at him it's Mm -hmm. uh like i was like oh wow for a hello kitty game okay there's like guns in this basically (laughs) um just honestly all the enemies are cool like that there's these little submarine dudes who are firing torpedoes at you on the ground i don't know if you saw those neil but uh uh, you have to jump over them in Mm -hmm. kind of like weird rhythms almost because you're not really expecting it that was cool i had never really experienced too much of like stuff coming at you on the ground rather than above if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah no there's some really uh there's some really cool enemy designs here like a lot of them are basic but when there's good ones they do stand out i really like the boss fight where you're fighting in like a rail yard yeah kind of thing it's still a it's still a cutesy happy rail yard but even like the conductor looked really cool and i like any kind of train level as we've talked about Mm -hmm. often um but yeah that's a neat one too yeah there's some there's some neat things going on in this game um and it, it runs super well too. Like the frame rate seems to be good. The graphics are all nice. I, I've I, I have heard criticism though that the camera is a little bit stiff um, to play with. It's not quite as free roaming as like a, a Mario game is. Yeah, the controls and the camera is where this game gets let down. It's mm-hmm. it the controls are really bad to be honest. It's very <laughs> hard to move. Uh, anytime you're, you're roller skating, you kind of like slow down before you speed up again. It's really strange, and it's hard to get used to, so just the movement in this game alone is very difficult to wrap your head around, especially coming from modern-day games. I think these controls were mm-hmm. bad at the time, and so they have only aged poorly uh, since then. Uh, but again, there are things that, that make this game interesting, like the bosses. There's one also where there there's this boss battle in a baseball stadium, which I really liked. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like the baseball stadium from kind of that that Super Mario Party mini game. It looks very similar to that, same kind of aesthetics. And uh, mm-hmm. you have to grab baseballs off the ground and throw them at an electric wall, which charges <laughs> them to hit the boss. So we're kind of doing like these like angle bounces and stuff to try and hit the uh, the boss. So instead of throwing at them straight on, so I was like, oh, this is more like interesting boss fights. That is very, kind of juxtaposed with the the gameplay in the world because the fights are just so easy. You know, you're just like bam, 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 you hit someone, and then they go away. Uh, Also, there's basically no punishment in this game kind of for being bad. Like, like (laughs) if you, because, so, what I mean by that is that uh, there is a a stealth level in this game, and you could just not, you could just decide not to be stealth at all, even though you're supposed (laughs) to be. And what happens is instead of you dying by lasers or whatever that you have to try and go through, uh, you become block Hello Kitty. So you just look like look like a Minecraft version of Hello Kitty. Uh, if you get touched by the laser, it's pretty funny. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's cool. I I love this. St- the stealth level is cool. Uh, that that's a later stage level, I yep. think. I yeah. like I like the titles of each stage too. They're very clever. Like one of them is just called Shopping Scam. I don't know what that is. One of them is called like the Sleeping Pony. Like they're all sure. just very yeah. weird and very storybooky. Uh, I do have a question though. Why mm. is Hello Kitty on roller skates the entire time? 
uh, yeah, they never actually like talk about that, eh? They're just, no, they <laughs> never address that. <laughs> she now is a roller skater. This is it. This is her. Maybe it's to combat. Uh, maybe it's like so that she can go faster. I think like that's really the reason is is so just she can move faster instead of just like slowly walking bit. around. I guess. Yeah, because I, I, I was funny when I was thinking of that. I had the same thought too. I was like, why is she on rollerblades? I, I thought to myself. Man, they could have actually made this a more interesting game if they just let her be on her feet and make it like a Captain Toad treasure tracker kind oh. of style. I feel like that's where she would excel, right? A pretty chill game that you're not necessarily fighting enemies, but you're just like solving puzzles. Like that's what a Hello Kitty game would be for me. You see, I thought the opposite, where I thought it would make more sense if the levels made more sense for her being on roller skates. So make the world adapt to how she's dressed basically like have ramps yeah like yes. why, why why am i jumping up platforms like good, why good why can't we have yeah like why can't there be loop-de-loops and rails and and hills and everything like there's no hills it's a very flat game i know <laughs> uh, i think that that would have made a lot more sense to make it almost like a tony hawk game or something like that with combat yeah, um yeah. I, I think that would have been way better or yes like you said take off her give her give her jumping boots or something yeah but it, it just doesn't make sense to have this character on wheels be jumping over boxes and, and hitting crates and stuff. Like, it, it's kind of a mismatch of gameplay and environment. I agree. I agree. But it is still a fun game for kids. I think mm-hmm. if you can get past the controls, I'd recommend it. And um, there's even a mech boss at the uh, at the very end. Uh, so uh, the final boss is kind of a, a mecha stage. So uh, I'm glad that we got all the early 2000s kind of tropes in there. We did, and we also have her uh, little stoner friend. That's also a penguin. Bats. I like him. Oh he yeah. Looks like he's he looks like he's never happy to be there. So I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate him quite a bit. But Mike, I think it's time that we hit the back of the case of Hello Kitty Roller Rescue and move on to the next franchise of the day. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Prepare yourself for plenty of feline fun and adventure in this bright, out-of-this-world platformer. The nasty King Block and his evil yet clumsy troops from Planet Block have invaded San Rio Town, the happiest little town on Earth. Oh, so we are on Earth. Okay. Mm. Hello Kitty and her trusted moody sidekick Penguin Bats, shout out to you Bats, and his alien bashing frying pan stand in their way. It's up to you to step into Hello Kitty's pink roller boots and skate your way into danger. Your mission is to save San Rio Town and Hello Kitty's friends and family. With courage and friendship on your side and a host of over 20 lovable San Rio Town characters to help you in your mission, including Cinemoroll, My Melody, and Karopi. Victory can only be a skate away. Who else knew the other Hello Kitty characters? That's a really specific group of people. Yeah, that's, that is very specific. Even like even people who knew Hello Kitty just had the Hello Kitty merchandise. They didn't have like the yeah. random other characters. No one had a Cinemoroll plushie. <laughs> I can I can guarantee you that. Unfortunately, not. But they might have had some Bratz gear and some Bratz Bratz merch. <laughs> yes, Mike. They just may have. They also may have had some Bratz video games on the GameCube, specifically Bratz Rock Angels, released on October fifth, two thousand and five. Developed by Blitz Games, published by THQ. It's also on PS two, Game Boy Advance, and Windows. Rates an eight out of ten. I'm serious about that. Priced today at around forty dollars. This is an action adventure open world game. And then some folks bought basically the same game twice when they bought Bratz Forever Diamonds, <laughs> released on September 18th, 2006, developed again by Blitz Games and published again by THQ, also on Game Boy Advance, PS2, and DS. Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $20, and this is another action-adventure game. There's no Wikipedia page for that uh, that second game there, so I guess it's up to us to make one. But <laughs> anyways, these uh, these video games, the first one, Bratz Rock Angels, is based on the direct-to-video film and toy line, Bratz Rock Angels, and I think that that's 
technically speaking, the better game of the two here. Um, it's a it's a neat concept for a game. It just feels like it's an incomplete game and more just like a a toy experience. If if I'm saying that correctly. Yep. No, honestly, a toy experience is a really good exa- a good way to kind of phrase this game for sure. It um, although the cutscenes were pretty good, I I enjoy the cutscenes in Rock Angels. Uh, they they you know this, there's a story there too. They have like the mean shop owner with her like two <laughs> twin daughters who I feel like were definitely that was like a, a kind of a throw at uh, or a dig at um, at Mary Kate and Ashley because they're both blonde. They're both kind of like fashionistas. This would have been 2004 2005. So this is when they're starting to kind of go way more into fashion in their clothing lines uh, right. and like the way that they talk and act is very much like Mary Kate and Ashley too. So I was like, okay, this is definitely a dig at them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like the, the, like you said, in terms of gameplay, it technically is an open world game. You can just hang out in the mall, in the town, walk around. Most of this game is just buying clothes and putting makeup on. That's like a big part of it. Cause it's basically like you have a doll and you're dressing her up, but they do it in a pretty good way. I was honestly impressed. Uh, even like the, the whole, I guess the text messaging as well and everything, I love that. Uh, that's I love definitely the text messaging. Definitely yeah. the best part. I love that yeah. so much. I would I would download like a Bratz app on my phone if it just meant that I would get random texts from <laughs> fake dolls all day. Like you get like texts that say like Jade, we're chilling in the smoothie bar. If you want to hang, check you later, Chloe. Like who signs their texts? I uh, <laughs> old, old people. That, that, old people. That, that is always the way. Like where it just like or they they sign it like like uh, uh, you know just their, a letter their, their, their initials yeah or yep, just yep. one letter. Uh, I, that that's like the most old people way to do it, but. You, um, you know what this game reminds me most of currently, Mike? Yeah. What? Meta. The metaverse. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This is basically the metaverse, actually. Oh, my Graphics God. Graphics and all. It reminds me completely of what we're getting right now with Facebook and Meta. Uh, very so similar. True. It's very rough. The graphics are not good. The characters look very blocky. The audio in the, the game is also very, very bad. Uh, the voice acting is, as you'd expect in any kind of a toy tie-in game, not good and sounds condensed. Like, it's not clear at all. Yeah. My biggest issue with the audio is actually the music. And I will say, I'm going to go on record and say that the Bratz Rock Angels soundtrack is actually a banger. It like, is a it, banger. Holy. <laughs> it's a, I was listening to some of it today. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is great. It's good stuff. It's great 2000s, like pop punk female singer. Very like that Hilary Duff kind of like Lindsay Lohan style music. I love it. Like, it's really good. The problem is that this game has a lot of load screens. Yes. And every time something loads, the song starts again. So you hear <laughs> the same 10 seconds of every song over and over and over again. And there aren't many songs. So that gets irritating. Yeah, that was one thing that really started to get on me. I was like, okay, let's like these these uh, these loading screens are a lot because you're right. It's literally anytime you go anywhere or do anything new, there's a load mm-hmm. screen. And I think I honestly I just think there was a lot of stuff going on in this game, so they needed to, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a big world. There's a you know the character customization is insane. It's it's huge. Yeah. So anytime you're doing anything, there needs to be a lot of assets that get loaded in. So I understand why. Uh, it just and even the loading screen is funny. It, it says it takes time to look this good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's clever. It's just it is a lot. Like they did try and pack a lot into this game and. More power to them. Like, that was a great... It was very ambitious, actually, what they were trying to do. They almost created, like, an open-world experience for a toy game. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Like, not something that we saw a lot of in this generation and not something that we would see much of again until something like maybe that Lego City Undercover game on Wii U. Yeah. That was a really good uh, open-world tie-in for a, for a toy 
a toy line. Um, but yeah, like there's different uh, locations that you can explore. There's Stylesville, which is where the Bratz live. You can even go to London, Paris. There's a mansion, uh, lots of NPCs to talk to. There's lots of things you can buy and customize your, your characters with. There's customizable phone cases and ringtones, which... That is just very 2000s right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also like some very basic mini games in there too. They're all based around like uh, posing and being a model and being like a, there's a rock and racer one as well with the inline roller skates, which this game would not be complete without uh, rollerblading there, Mike. Of course. Yes, please. We, we need to let everybody know that there are again roller skates in this game as there will be <laughs> in the next game too. But yep. my favorite thing about this game, without a doubt, is has to do with the voice acting, not the quality of the voice acting, but what the characters say. It is actually hilarious. It, in this sense, it actually reminded me a bit of, of the game Bully, the open world game Bully. Oh, okay. uh, Because of, of how characters interact with you, depending on your clothing choices and what you're wearing and how you're acting. Uh, if you kind of uh, pick makeup or clothes that aren't, I guess, necessarily standard, uh, or like a bad outfit, people will say, mm. uh, the NPCs will kind of give you crap and say, is it Halloween already? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, well, it's about time someone pushed the limits of bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this game was just getting people ready for social anxiety and uh, what not to wear when they go to school, eh? It really is a game that kind of is getting children ready for consumerism <laughs> and yes. fitting in with clothing. But uh, even, like, the, the way you play the game, the, the characters will kind of give you crap because if you mess up the <laughs> controls in a minigame, they'll say – they'll make some sassy remark – uh, or if it uh, if you're kind of following the if you're not following the arrow whenever there's a mission there's a you know one of those arrows on the ground classic uh, early two thousands games pointing to pointing you to where you need to go uh, you'll they'll berate the player for not following the arrow if you go the other way it's just like wow I didn't realize it was so hard to just follow signs or like like stuff <laughs> like that and it's it's pretty funny I was like wow this is good I like I actually like this a lot. I appreciate that. It actually kind of reminds me of something like from a Crash Bandicoot or like a Wario game yes, where they made fun yeah, yeah. of the player for not exactly understanding what's going on. I don't know why the frame rate dips to like two in a oh, cutscene. I know. Uh, it's straight. Like it, it, it cuts badly when you go into a store or something, but it cuts even worse when the characters are talking to each other. The fish all the fish. The characters also have that uh, like fish mouth style animation going, where the the mouths do not move properly. They just kind of open and close like they're. <laughs> An yeah. animatronic doll at uh, Chuck E. Cheese. I'm definitely bashing on this game way too much. I can see the appeal of this type of game in this time where yes. ga gamifying high school and the teen experience didn't quite know what it wanted to be yet. And this is kind of the beginning of that before we started to see games like Persona, which are huge. And that's a game that's definitely tied into a high school experience. And even the more storytelling or story driven and uh, dramatic games like life is strange where those are yeah. games told in a university like more sto school stories this is kind of that but the preteen version of those games yeah 100 percent. i think it was a really ambitious game for the time and a lot of money clearly was put into this to actually make it into a real game it's a huge game there's a lot like i said lots of assets happening and the you know the fact that they tried is pretty impressive and i think i think a lot of people and i know i was uh there's a great article by uh, uh this woman stephanie uh, uh fernandez she writes for npr she wrote about tony hawk and just uh, growing up playing tony hawk pro skater on the gamecube she mentions the gamecube in the article which is why i was nice. uh, i was interested and she also talks about uh mary kate and ashley and playing the bratz games and she talks about really enjoying bratz rock angels 
And I, I can totally see this. This would be a game if I was like a preteen girl, like in 2004 playing this, like this would be amazing. I would have so much fun playing this because it is actually a fun game to go, go through. And you know, nowadays we see all these faults, like the frame rates and the poor sure. voice acting and everything and the technology at the time. But you know, it's, I think for the time, this would have been actually a really, really cool game down. Yeah, it's kind of got the same appeal to, like, The Sims. Like, it's very similar to that, except you're playing as one character, and you're playing as a character who you can basically put yourself in their shoes and, you know, take them to the mall and take them out with friends and everything. So, yeah, it's definitely... It's not like an RPG, but it is like an open world kind of game that uh, young girls could see themselves playing or see themselves doing. So, yeah, like, if this was more something like a Tony Hawk game, like this would be something totally cool that like we would play, like you go customize your deck and you wear your clothes and you create a character that looks just like you, which is what we did. Yeah. It's just that. But, uh, but for, for preteen girls who are into the, the Bratz toy line. And I do want to give one more shout out to the album before we move on to the next game. Uh, the Bratz rock angels, uh, album charted number one on the U S billboard kid album in 2005. So Obviously, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna highly recommend that album at the end of this episode over playing the game. But we do have one more game to talk about uh, before we read the back of the cases. There's not quite as much to say about Forever Diamonds. It's basically the same game again, but it for some reason looks like a it looks like a graphical downgrade from the previous game. Yeah, it is. It is literally just a, a graphical downgrade. It feels like, uh, it, which is weird because it was developed by the same studio and everything. Uh, it, it also the open world part of it is a little less uh from what what i kind of i guess experienced at least um you're mostly running around the mall area i feel like it's a lot more a lot more of a push on just shopping in yep. general rather than character customization at least that's what i got from it uh i equate this one much more with like the cabela's games really just <laughs> really just pushing the product more than anything there's yeah. some fun mini games in here like the the other one like the skating game and everything uh, there is that customization like uh, Rock Angels has as well. Uh, there's Oh, the one thing it does have is two-player co-op, which is actually mm -hmm. kind of nice. So you can go through things with a friend playing it. That would be fun to do because I think this game would actually be even more fun playing with someone else like co uh, couch co-op. There's Rollerblades again, of course. Yep, gotta have it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, for this one... I just I found it much more boring. Like I think for me, I would just rather play my play with my dolls in the physical world. <laughs> the rollerblading like in this game, is, the, exact just like meta. The rollerblading in this game, though, like I got like it just makes Hello Kitty look great. I, it, yes. it looks like you know, like when you're walking through mud in rollerblades. That's what it looks like. Like the characters aren't moving any faster than when they're walking. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at it right now, and like it looks like they're just kind of sluggish. Like the wheels are locked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it does actually. <laughs> it does look like that. It's incredibly strange, but yeah, like the, I don't know what it is. Like you're right though, it is the same developer, the same publisher. This game looks worse than the uh than the first game. It probably is just my eyes playing a trick on me. These games both don't look great, but like the sky is like just this pastel blue. There's practically no characters walking around. None of the environments have detail or textures or anything like that. So, I think some people just got conned into buying the same game twice really yeah. and i mean yeah. that in the nicest way possible both of these games were made to completely sell uh toys and uh movie tickets as well because both of these uh both of these games were tied into a, a toy line and uh and a theatrical movie or straight to dvd movie mm -hmm. so had to have that complete package obviously can't give it too much crap i mean we've talked about bionicle and lego and those franchises all did the exact same thing yep. much like Yu-Gi-Oh and beyblade and pokemon and all the other things trying to become that uh that multiple media franchise. Um, just trying to be the next Barbie, I suppose. Yep. 
Yep, but that's about all I have to say about the Bratz franchise, Mike. I think it's time that we hit the back of these cases and uh, move on to our closing thoughts. Let's do it, Neil. All right. Bratz Rock Angels. They're rockin' hot and rockin' your world. Oh, boy. (laughs) You get the chance to live the life of a rock angel as you help Chloe, Jade, Sasha, and Yasmin start their own fashion magazine. The search for the perfect scoop will take you around the globe, where famous places and famous people make for amazing adventures. And you can visit www.bratspack.com. Don't forget to ask your parents before going online. (laughs) Damn, I didn't. Oh, no. (laughs) And next we have Bratz Forever Diamonds uh, with a Z. Mm -hmm. The Bratz are back. This time, they're on a nationwide search for the hottest young fashion designers. How old are they? (laughs) How much younger are you looking for? Their road trip across America takes the girls on a wild race where high fashion and out-of-this-world encounters make for styling adventures. Okay. Sure. Like, aren't they supposed to be, like, 16? You know what, Neil? I'm not really sure the Bratz timeline. I'll have to get back to you on that one. But, uh, mm. <laughs> but you know, the question that we always like to pose is, uh, should we recommend any of these games? And for me, I think I, I wouldn't honestly mind picking up Rock Angels. <laughs> that would be okay. kind of funny to play, like to, 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 to own. I feel like the open world aspect would actually give me a lot of a lot of gameplay the f- i love the the text messaging and everything the kind of whole sim that get, mm. that's going on at the time it's rough sure in some in the graphics and the voice acting and everything but it's still a really fun game and very much a slice of life in a place of time uh, of like the the early 2000s it is i i agree with you there i love these types of games because you can't you can't do them again unless like the 2000s no. <laughs> come back in some weird nostalgia way like stranger things has done with the 80s i'm sure eventually we'll see the 2000s it'll be weird but eventually it will be very trendy and hip to have customizable phone cases and ringtones again which is going to be really weird (laughs) um for the mary kate and ashley game i'd say no with the Bratz games probably not hello kitty is probably the the one game that i might suggest looking into but like for 50 bucks like ah maybe not um I, I want that Hello like, Kitty Xbox. That's what oh, I want. Hello Kitty Xbox. Well, sure, if you can find a Hello Kitty Crystal Xbox yeah. for $99, that's a steal. <laughs> the one thing that came out of today, though, that I really did enjoy was the Rock Angel soundtrack. I'm honestly recommending, if you like the 2000s kind of rock music, I don't think it's on Spotify. I couldn't find it on Spotify, but it's on YouTube. So I was just kind of hanging out, doing some work on my laptop, listening to this album. And before I knew it, I listened to the whole thing. So It's really uh, good. It's 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 unironically good. <laughs> it is. It is. So, yeah, hopefully maybe we'll get like a vinyl release of that. I would, I'd appreciate finding something like that in the wild. But, Mike, do you see a future for any of these franchises going forward in the video game space? I guess we can leave Hello Kitty out of this because there technically are still Hello Kitty games released every so often um the most recent game was in 2014 with hello kitty cruisers so it seems like that franchise it's still gone it's still a bit cold but it looks like that it'll probably come back again in some way shape or form but what about mary kate and ashley and uh and bratz do you think that we'll see anything big come out of them well we mentioned earlier in the episode that bratz just got a game that came out uh, a couple weeks ago uh at this point which is pretty crazy but yeah uh, november 2022 uh there was a bratz game that that came out so Bratz is is somewhat alive uh definitely banking off of nostalgia the the company mostly who makes Bratz mostly works on the LOL surprise dolls like we said so mm. I, I I could see them having some kind of game come out in the future this it's interesting because the switch is actually home to a lot of those kind of games uh like makeup simulator styles and like mm-hmm. character creation uh different kind of sims 
uh, and kind of uh, uh, clone sim games are on the Switch. There's so, 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 so many of them. If you just <laughs> scroll through, there's tons for like 10 bucks. Uh, so I think like they saw that and were like, well, I'll just like have some studio make one and just slap the Bratz name on it. And I'm sure that'll mm-hmm. probably keep happening for a while. As long as people think about Bratz and thinking about the nostalgia that goes with them and the fact that Bratz still has actually a, a loyal following among among um, among people who either own Bratz dolls or still do. So I think... I think we'll still get Brad stuff. Uh, American Ashley, no, I can't. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is is kind of too bad because I was talking with my girlfriend about these games and just American Ashley in general and how they were really so ubiquitous in the early 2000s. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I, I played some of the games. I watched the movies, the detective series that they had really got me into like the uh, mystery novels oh, yeah. and Nancy Drew and stuff. So they had a huge, huge impact on young girls' lives in the early 2000s. And I think that can't be understated. You know, it's it was pretty crazy. And I, it, I could – it would be cool if they came back some way with some nostalgic thing. I don't know. Who knows what will ever happen with them. But, uh, yeah, I just it's, – it's just something to – to think about of how they were really everywhere yeah i think sometimes it's okay for for franchises or persons like that to go away and maybe come (laughs) back maybe come back i'm sure they'll come back with some kind of a sitcom at some point in the next 20 years like that's almost inevitable unfortunately it seems like every sitcom gets regurgitated back into onto netflix or hulu or whatever um they'll have kids of their own that they'll have tied into it or something so i think a tv show for mary Kay Ashley is more than likely a video game no i don't think so yeah. but yeah like yeah I, li- I liked your point though about brats you know and and those simulation style games being on switch i think it's great i think it's a cool genre to exist um i wish that it honestly makes me a little bit jealous of brats because they came out around the same time as bionicle and Bionicle is long dead. <laughs> so I would I feel like we lost the game there between Bratz and Bionicle, uh, the early 2000s toy lines between the, the kind of quote-unquote boys and girls toys that were yeah. really popular. Um, if there was a Bionicle game that came out every year, I'd be stoked. Um, I know that there's the one indie game that's supposed to be coming out, but I'll have to wait and see for that. But uh, Mike, while well, I'm sitting in my basement waiting for a Bratz crossover with Bionicle to finally come to Switch, that'd be amazing. Why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 120 of the GameCube is Cool podcast? On episode 120, we are talking about Mega Man games. Uh, all about Mega Man, that little blue, that little blue man. Uh, not part of the Blue Man group, but uh, Mega Man, uh, he has had such a massive life uh, lifespan, being around for so long. Uh, just a huge part of video game history and its future. Mega Man is going strong. Mega Man 11 is a great game, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about some of these exclusive GameCube games that Mega Man was part of. Uh, and, of course, the relationship that... Um, Capcom. Cap- oh, no, so yeah, duh. <laughs> and the great relationship that Capcom had with uh, Nintendo, as we've talked about in the early 2000s, they were putting stuff out for the GameCube and then uh, immediately left. But uh, <laughs> but they did have a really good relationship at one point, and so they actually got uh, a lot of content for the GameCube. We're talking about four games next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is. We're talking about four games, but we're really talking about, like, 20 games. True, there the collections. Were the collections, yeah. I was very impressed with how much Mega Man love we were getting in the 2000s on Nintendo not so much with the classic 2D-style Mega Man games, but they also started to incorporate, like, the Battle Network games on Game Boy Advance, and then, 
what was the one on DS? It was like Star Force or something. There was like a whole, like a bunch of spinoff after spinoff on Nintendo yeah. hardware. So I love the collections personally. I was stoked when they came to uh, current gen hardware when I was in college. And I actually own the Mega Man collection on GameCube. So really excited to talk about that with you next week. Love the little blue man in his suit. Not a part of the blue man group yet. Anyway. Yet. Yet. But, ladies and gentlemen, until then, thank you so much for listening to episode 119 of the GameCube of School podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. Head on over and check out our merch store on tpublic.com. Link to the store is in the episode description. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Bats the Penguin. Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later, Bats. Bye-bye, Bats. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. <laughs> Why is his name Bats? I don't know. I'm probably <laughs> saying it wrong, but I just love the fact that he just has that constant glaze over his eyes. I want to embellish. I want to embody that at some point. Yeah, he's like a he's like the Squidward, basically of the basically of the group. Yeah, he he does not want to work today. No, he's like the Benson or the Squidward. He yeah, the Ron Swanson, if you will, of the Hello Kitty universe. <laughs>